All right, it's a Friday, ahead of a long weekend. Welcome to the program. It is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're coming at you live from our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios in beautiful, sunny Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you. Happy doing Friday. Double, yeah, doing double duty right double now. Double duty Dumas. That's what we call you around here. Uh, happy Friday, pal. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing really good. Good to hear. Thank God it's Friday. Yes, sir. Long weekend. Uh, if you're traveling out early on a Friday, thanks for tuning in. If you got some work to do ahead of the long weekend, we appreciate you being along here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We got a busy show for you on a Friday ahead of that long weekend. We'll get to some general news and notes from around the sports world here in the first segment ahead of a very interesting conversation with Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom. Uh, he joined Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet on their 32 Thoughts podcast, a special summer edition, uh, while they were part of the NHL's uh, player representation in Europe. Uh, they caught up with Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom. That runs just about 10 minutes long. We'll play that for you. Coming up in just a few moments here, but also this hour, we'll chat with former CFLer Eddie Steele ahead of the CFL's Labor Day weekend kicking off uh, in uh, Montreal tonight. Yep. Red Blacks and Owls, looking forward to that one. Eddie Steele, a former Grey Cup champion, and a very unique perspective on this, Dumas, because he's played on a couple of interesting squads. Former Ticat, a former Eskimo, and a former Rough Rider. So, you know, he's had some fun on Labor Day weekend before. Oh, I, I can assure you guys a few stories you could tell us. Mm-hmm. Stamps report with Matty Rose, ahead of the Stamps and the Elks on Monday. We'll also chat uh, some Denver Broncos football mm-hmm. coming up a little bit later. Just after 3 o'clock, Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post set to join us after Russell Wilson signs that massive contract extension with the Denver Broncos. We'll get his feel on that extension and what to expect from the Broncos in a crowded AFC West this year. But let's start off with some NHL news, uh, Patrick. The uh, NHL free agent board doesn't have a lot of big names left on it. But a couple more to scratch off the list today. Mm-hmm. We'll start in Winnipeg, where the Jets haven't been very busy at all this year. Nope. Uh, you might remember David Riddick, big save Dave here in Calgary, uh, signed to be the backup to Connor Hellebuck back on July 31st. Uh, they haven't signed anybody since that. Almost two months have gone by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today they break the bank. Not really. <laughs> Uh, for Sam Gagne. Grabbing those pennies. Yes. Uh, One-year contract for Sam Gagne goes from Detroit to Winnipeg. And uh, any Oilers fan that was hoping for perhaps a reunion on a PTO up in Edmonton, those dreams shattered today. Uh, but Gagne actually a pretty productive year, mm-hmm. all things considered, last year with Detroit Dumas. He actually had a, a pretty good season. Yeah, 31 points in uh, in 81 games. Uh in, in Detroit, where, you know, he played his role there as a team that's in, uh, you know, bringing up the younger guys. But this is a guy who's he's been around. He's, he's about 30, I believe, 33 games away from uh, from 1,000 games in the NHL. So he could probably reach that probably uh, a little early December or so. So quiet 967-game career. Yeah, maybe, you know, as a sixth overall pick and being picked by a Canadian team, there's obviously a lot more expectations, I think, levied against the player. And, you know, coming out of that... Really, really great London Knights organization. Obviously, Pat Kane going first overall back in 2007. So, you know, good for uh, it's a good depth signing for the Jets as a team that I mean they didn't do a lot. It's a very boring off season. Maybe 
if you're a Jets fan, you're a little disappointed and maybe you thought, you know, was is Blake Wheeler going to get traded? Is Mark Shifley going to get traded? What's going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois? He just signed his his one-year uh, one uh, qualifying offer, and he's going to be a UFA next July. So a lot of questions heading into this uh, this season for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, they're, they're not bad enough to be at the lottery, but are they good enough to be a bubble playoff team? So we'll see. I mean, they're, they're banking on a lot of guys uh, having comeback seasons. You know, Hellebuck's got to be better. Shifley's got to be better, and definitely the captain has to be really good in Winnipeg. So that's the story with the Jets today. Another former... Uh, high draft pick in the NHL, has a new home as well. The Edmonton Oilers adding some defensive depth, signing defenseman Ryan Murray to a one-year $750,000 contract. He was the second overall pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets back in 2012. He won a Stanley Cup as a member of the Colorado Avalanche last season. He played 37 games for the team, registering four assists. He did not play any games in the postseason for Colorado. Uh, but a uh, guy that spent uh, a number of years in the NHL through the Columbus Blue Jackets organization before spending last year with New Jersey when he played 48 NHL games and now just 37 with Colorado. Uh, A good depth piece, probably, what we're looking at here for the Oilers. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is a guy, again, very high draft pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets, but, you know, health has has been a concern for Ryan Murray. The production hasn't been there. Uh, We'll see. Still still a decently, you know, he's he's only, uh, you know, the – 20, you know, 28 years old here. So, well, we'll see. You know, again, it's a, it's going to be a guy, a 6'7 defenseman, you know, a call-up type thing. You know, it's, again, the camp body. This is what, this is what we're going to be signing a lot, seeing a lot lately until, you know, I guess Evan Rodriguez is probably the biggest fish out there as a, as a free agent. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys who uh, essentially they're PTOs, but, I mean, they're not really PTOs because this is a big contract. This is a, this is a one-year deal for Ryan Murray. Uh, speaking of PTOs, uh, we did have one of those yeah. handed out today as well. Jimmy VC is back with the New York Rangers. Uh, this time he signs a professional tryout agreement and is going to be with them in camp. So that's the uh, NHL news today. Also, CFL Labor Day weekend kicking off tonight. We mentioned that. The Red Blacks taking on the Alouettes. And it is a Blue Jays game day kicking off a series, a quick one against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 435 first pitch tonight for the Jays. We'll have the uh, pregame starting at 4 o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Alec Manola, in his 12-7 and record with a 2.60 ERA, gets the start for the Jays. Uh, with Manola on the mound, a dreadful Pirates team at 49-81. and Dumas, this feels like a must-win situation for the Jays. Yeah, this is the last uh, of, uh, you know, this was a week-long set of teams well below 500, and the Jays are looking at 2-4 and four right now. Uh, as they enter this final uh, final trip against the uh, teams well below them uh, in the standings, and you know, the Pirates forty nine and eighty one. This is this is this is the the wake uh, put up or shut up time for the Toronto Blue Jays. This is September. You're playing meaningful baseball. Meaningful baseball. Uh, Alec Manoa is your your ace. You know he he was tremendous in his last outing against the uh, against the Angels. Just couldn't get any run support. So hopefully you get a little bit more help tonight. Uh, Looking to see the lineup. I don't know if I have the lineups out yet, but uh, eager to see what happens there. Uh, and then for the Pirates, this is a team that they've got a lot of similar to what Baltimore has had in the past. They've got some young guys on this team that uh, in a few years that will be really good. I'm thinking, I'm I'm really excited to watch O'Neill Cruz. This guy's exciting. He hit the hardest home run, uh, hardest hit ball this year that wasn't a home run. At least like 119 miles per hour. Uh, this guy's a legit star in the making as well. So not a good Pirates team. 
Blue Jays, they have everything, every ability in them to sweep away the Pirates, but we'll see tonight. They got their ace on the mound. Uh, and some breaking news out of college football. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a fun. massive story. Um, Woo! Mixed reaction to this so far would be the best way to put it. Uh, according to uh, a couple of different sources, I believe uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN was first on this. He's the uh, college football senior writer for ESPN. Uh, the College Football Board of Managers has decided on a 12-team college football playoff during today's meetings. Uh, Patrick, quick math, that's a lot more than the four yeah. uh, that have comprised the playoff already for college football. Uh, that's expected to start in 2026 after the current contract is up. So you'll get a couple of more years of four teams uh, and then in 2026, a massive jump up to 12 teams. What's your reaction to that? Uh, I think, you know, we see the college football landscape uh, treading closer and closer to being an NFL junior league here in the next few years with the with the NIL deals and the TV contracts and the, and the, the movement between conferences. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma coming over to the SEC complicates a whole bunch of things. What is left of the Big 12? The Pac-12 is hurting with losing USC as well to the Big Ten, this is a, and UC, UCLA as well. So this is massive. You get you see teams like Cincinnati last year pop up, and you know while they don't show up in that first game, they usually get blown out. Maybe this opens it up a little bit more. You might see a little more upsets in the first round. I think I think definitely this is the right call because I think you can. There's probably a little bit more than four teams that can have a chance at a college football playoff here, but. This is big, uh, big future. I, I'm really looking forward to diving a little bit more into this and finding the details. I know a lot of it has to be tied to a, to a lot of ESPN contract, TV deals, and whatnot as well. Yeah, I'm not as excited as you are about it, to be honest. Okay. Um, I agree that expanding the college football playoff was necessary. 12 is too many for me. Um, yeah, maybe to me, eight. like 1 to 12, yeah. I mean, that matchup's going to be a, a blowout. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, 4 is not enough. 4... We'll you're getting multiple teams from yeah. the same conference. That's not that's not going to draw enough people in. But to me, twelve. I, I don't think you have twelve championship level teams out of college football that are going to be able to compete. I, I think you're looking at a situation where the top couple of seeds are going to demolish teams. Well, in round one of the of the college football playoff with twelve teams. Well, with the twelve teams, you will have teams with buys. Uh, if there was a 16 team, you could have the one play the 16. It would make sense. But with the 12s, that I believe the top seeds will probably get buys into into the next round. So uh, we will see what happens here in 2026. Like college football is is a massive massive money maker now in in the United States, and and I know a lot of Canadians are really starting to get more invested in it. And I mean, it just gives. I mean, we, we, we see the excitement. I mean, it's different sports comparing apples. It's literally apples and oranges pretty much with, with college football to college basketball because the sports are so different and and upsets are a lot more common in in the sport of basketball than they are in football for sure, especially in college football where the the talent the talent is so uh the talent range is so wide. But I, I don't know. Six I would have probably gone with eight to start, but I mean money talks, right? It's all about that. This is all about what it is. Uh, so that's the uh, the news of the day uh, in the sporting world right now. A couple of free agents off the board in the NHL. We're getting set for the Jays and the Pirates. CFL Labor Day weekend kicking off and uh, major news out of college football. Uh, the football playoff expected to expand to 12 teams starting in 2026. Wanted to play this for you. 
mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, the Flames goaltender and a Vesna finalist this year, uh, spoke to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick as part of a special 32 Thoughts uh, podcast uh, edition during the summer. Uh, NHL media tour uh, going to Europe and back uh, in person this year. And one of the guys that uh, Elliot and Jeff were able to speak one-on-one to was the Flames goaltender. Uh, it's a great conversation. I would highly recommend that you uh, check out the full podcast. But we got uh, the Markstrom part isolated from it and wanted to play it for you now. There's a lot of good stuff here from Markstrom, a guy that's become a leader on this Flames team, held a lot on his shoulders from that playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers. That's something he addresses in this conversation. Also gets into some of the Flames' moves this offseason and how he feels about it. Uh, There's a great story in here. He's obviously a a former member of the Panthers organization and has some ties to Jonathan Huberto. So there's a a great story about that in here. Uh, So this is Calgary Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom, on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Uh, obviously, it's tough, you know, throughout the season, what we build on and the Dallas series and the confidence we have in our group. And, uh, you know, obviously, the back of a lot of people's head, you, you knew that some guys probably weren't going to be here next season. But we had something really good going. And mm-hmm. it was, I think, for me personally, too, it, it was the first year we really coming into every game you know I was never really worried it was you know our group was so confident that you know we'll beat any team any day and mm-hmm. uh, so with the season we had and then you know obviously ran into Edmonton and it was uh, it was so emotional and it was such a roller coaster and uh, yeah it's a tough pill to swallow uh, but uh, you know for me personally I don't want to forget it completely you want to have that sour taste in your mouth and uh, you know I you know, I still have it in the back of my mind, and that's what gets you up in the morning and, and gets you to the gym and gets you to work a little bit harder than, than last year. It, you know, I, I remember when Pittsburgh lost the Stanley Cup to Detroit in 2008, there's a famous story about Crosby getting a picture of Zetterberg lifting the cup. And that summer when he worked out, he looked at it every day. And, of course, Pittsburgh won the cup the year after. And, you know, the one thing, Jacob, is that that was the one team last year that got to you, and they've got great players. And I wonder, is there something you think about in your workouts or you go back and you think about and say, this is why they had success? I think for me personally, I, I think you always see, you try to break down the games. Uh, you know, the games we had during the season too, we had, you know, we had one, I think, two or three, one win. But then, you know, obviously the, the game in the Saddle Dome where it was 9-5, and you know it's a win but that's not how you want it to be but and then you go the first game in the playoffs it was nine six so then you try to sit down and like (laughs) what's going on here because those were uh you know the two games i've been a part of with the the most goals and uh you know it's same team and i think i don't know the whole team it's obviously it's a a different uh atmosphere and it's everything is you know it's the same league same amount of time in the games the same puck is on the ice but you know uh, when we collide with those guys, it just, you know, stuff just seemed to happen. So I think uh, the mental part of just kind of take a step back and, uh, you know, you always try to figure out what you can do, but to uh, to really emphasize to not get carried away both emotionally and, you know, for me, uh, uh, I seem to have the most success when I'm just even keel and, and but, you know, it's hard. There's fights in the stands. You want to you get up and get involved. <laughs> you want to go fight in the yeah, stands exactly. with them. Sometimes that's, right. that's how you feel, but... Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's such a fun series during the season. And, you know, obviously the playoff wasn't that much fun, but uh, there is a sour taste for sure that I feel like the whole city of Calgary has. And, uh, you know, I don't think no one has forgot about it and we're excited to get back in there. Is that what you you think, that maybe you got a bit carried away emotionally in those series? (sighs) I don't know. Like, I I feel like throughout the whole playoff, you, you feel the same. Obviously, if I look, the preparation wasn't different and and anything like that. But it, it just seemed that they, you know, obviously they got some bounces. We got some bounces too. But, you know, I couldn't really personally, you know, find that rhythm of just, you know, uh, where everything was just kind of coming to me and, you know, being in the right spot, the decision making, you're kind of, if you let one or two or three goals in, you start hesitating a little bit and you can't do that and because then you get punished. Mm-hmm. This off season. Mm-hmm. Um, you're watching Johnny Gaudreau leave uh, Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers. You know, two-thirds of the best line in the NHL goes. Was there a part of you at all, maybe during the Johnny Gaudreau situation, where you said, wait a minute, what's happening to our team here? Does this mean we're going to take a step? I mean, obviously, Brad Treleving has gone out, and Hubert O and Uyghur and Nazem Kadri come in. But was there part of you at all that said, wait a minute, what's happening with my team here? I don't really think it was to that extent. I uh, I think, uh, you know, I tried to do what I could. And I, I was calling Johnny, I think, after a week or two weeks after the season. I, I was trying to call him every day and, you know, especially terrible times of the day with the time difference. But, uh, you know, I was being a pain in his in his behind there for a bit. But uh, Do you think he left because you were yeah, calling maybe. him too much? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, I don't, think, I don't think so. But you never know. But, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I'm excited. I can sit here and think we're going to be better this year. And, you know, we got some great players. Mm-hmm. It's more excited for me to, you know, I obviously know Huberto from the Florida time. And mm-hmm. uh, Uyghur is... Was Uyghur in that San no, Antonio yeah, at that point? No, I, I never Florida? played with him there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a great defenseman. And then the yeah. signing of Nassim Kadri was great. And, uh, you know, I, I want to lift Brad to a tree. It's, it's easy for him to, you know, kind of say what's going on. People, you know... To Chuck and Johnny wanted to leave, who hundred plus goal scorer you know, points this season, and they were they were the leading force with Lindholm for our team the entire year. But uh, you know he he had great communication with uh, you know especially us older guys on the team, and and said that we're you know we're working on stuff, and you know it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Don't worry, don't stress. So so he he did a great job of uh, you know kind of re putting yeah. a, a great team together and and I think we're going to have a lot of success this season. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because one of the things I always wonder, sometimes moves happen and players are blown away, they don't see it coming and sometimes the moves happen and players say, "Yeah, we kind of knew this was going to happen." So, as a flame, did you have an idea that when this year might be without Goudreau and Kachak? No, not really, no. Mm-hmm. I can't say I did. Obviously, you try to talk with the players and uh but, you know, we knew it could happen. I didn't see it happening. Yeah. You know, I thought it was going to come back because, you know, he's a Calgary Flame and he's always been a Calgary Flame. And mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, things change and, uh, you know, for different reason. And, you know, obviously I thought he, he wrote a, a great letter there for the people of Calgary and the, the Flames fans. And, uh, you know, he wanted to be close to his family. He got a newborn coming and a lot of things involved. I know myself too, going from, you know, Vancouver to, yeah, to yeah. Calgary as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people are not going to agree and some people are, and I wish them luck on all the games, except 
against us, <laughs> then I then I hope he gets nothing. <laughs> and Kachuk, so did you have any idea that maybe Matt wouldn't be back? Uh, yeah, it, it's so hard because yeah. I mean you you hear the rumors and you read and you hear people are talking about it and it was obviously a big uh, you know those two names were the big talking point you know right after the season. What's, yes what's going to happen so you can't really avoid it or or see but you know I just I really like how Tree went about it and and you know obviously it would have been nice to you know obviously with the position we were we're so good it's not like we should have traded Goudreau we, right. you can't do that we're mm -hmm. we're really good we were a really good hockey team and we were having success so you can't really trade away a big piece like that and then he leaves for nothing but I think you know we got cap space and we got Kadri and we got Huberto and Uyghur for those two players so i think that's a, a really good trade-off it's a heck of a recovery as you said and that's the next thing like did you have any idea like because sometimes these trades pop up out of nowhere did you have any idea that huberto and Uyghur were coming or did you have any idea that Kadri was coming yeah well i was at a wedding nicholas backstrom's wedding and oh, yeah? yeah i was in bed and i my phone kept ringing and uh you know it was brad tree living so he was like Huberto's a good guy, right? I was like, yeah, he's a good guy, but he's a really good player too. He's like, okay, we're working on something. So, oh, so, so then, you had uh, an idea? Yeah, I had a little idea there, but uh, but yeah, he's obviously. I think I woke up the next day after the not feeling hungover at all, but more excited about getting back to work and uh, and for the season. That's fantastic. Do you think this was the year that people finally noticed or recognized just how good Lindholm is? I think so because obviously I'm a little bit biased. Well, I mean, uh, we're, you, we're good friends have, yeah, and we're hanging out, uh, hanging out in the summers and uh, follow his uh, development. But I see him every day, and uh, uh, he's such a good player, as, uh, yeah. you know, defensively and offensively. I mean, uh, what all those three guys did together, and uh, you know, we can be in our zone for two minutes, and you have Lindholm going from corner to corner and standing in front of the net, and then all, all of a sudden Johnny yeah. has a breakaway, and you wonder. Like, how is he on the far blue line right now? But, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot about the work that Lindholm did that mm -hmm. let them kind of play the way they wanted to play and kind of cheat a little bit because they knew uh, they knew Linda would always be behind there. So I'm looking at your defense now. You, you, like, you've got to – like it's really good. Like, it's interesting because, as you said, you guys just lost a couple of 100-point players. But if this league is one in goal, on defense, and down the middle – like I look at your centers, I look at your blue line, I look at the guy in goal, and I say, Calgary's built that way. So there's been this big debate. Are the Flames better or are they not as good? How do you see it? We're better for sure. Obviously, you look at the blue line and then, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the players that, that left. Chucky is a Panther now and uh, Johnny is with, uh, with Columbus, but... Uh, like you said, to looking at the centers we have and down the middle, you need to be deep down the middle to be successful, especially in the playoffs. And uh, and then uh, our defensive core is, uh, you got my favorite player of all time, Chris Tanev there. So, you know, I'm happy he's there. And then, uh, you know, with everything else, you got Rasmus Anderson who had a career year last year, Noah Hannafin, who's, you know, he was healthy pretty much all season and, and played great all year. You add Uyghur to that, and then Sedoro, we had a, he was super important for us. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then we got a lot of young players, young defensemen too, that both with uh, skill guys and, you know, big, solid defensemen coming up from Stockton. So, 
it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really fun and and you know I'm way more excited about this year than I was last year. There you go, Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. The uh, full Thirty Two Thoughts podcast is available wherever you get your podcast or at Sportsnet.ca. Uh, some great stuff there from Jacob. Obviously, wears a lot of what happened in that Oilers series last year, but feels very confident in this group heading into this season. And uh, I thought it was a really good interview with those two and, and Jacob. Oh, yeah. uh, just you know, getting down to the details on stuff, not avoiding any questions. Jacob isn't a guy that you know speaks out a ton, and he kind of lets his work do mm-hmm. the the talking for him, but. Uh, nice to uh, to get a little bit more of a long format conversation with Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, for sure, very insightful. Jacob Markstrom, very very well spoken guy. You know, most goalies are quite quiet, quite to themselves. Mm-hmm. But Markstrom is a, a guy who's who's involved on the ice to to some manner. He's 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 a he's a loud guy. He's a, he's a leader for sure. He's a, he's a guy that this team looks for and uh, for to get to get the job done in, in, in tough situations. And he was quite candid about how the, uh, the how the Edmonton series went and. And how the how those crazy offseason. I can only imagine how it feels being a player. I mean, yeah, it's business. You you see your friends and your teammates go all the time, but then to see such a massive change in one team in just such a short time period, less than a month, really, you have you know completely new top line, you know, a new top pairing defenseman. It's crazy and it's exciting for sure. Uh, so once again, uh, 32 Thoughts Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts or available at sportsnet.ca. And obviously, as the NHL season uh, returns into full swing, expect more uh, frequent podcasts from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Um, obviously, breaking news, getting those uh, in-depth interviews and more. So appreciate those guys uh, getting that chat with Jacob Markstrom. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Segment 2. Of our one is next. Very looking forward to this. Uh, a chat with a former CFLer ahead of Labor Day weekend. Eddie Steele joins the program next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Labor Day weekend officially kicks off in the CFL tonight. A 5.30 kickoff from Montreal. The Alouettes welcoming in the Red Blacks. Then you get a day off tomorrow. Little Riders, Bombers on Sunday, and a doubleheader Monday. Battle of Ontario, followed by the Battle of Alberta. And really excited to chat some CFL football with our next guest. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with 2015 Grey Cup champion, former Eskimo, Tie Cat, and Rough Rider defensive tackle. Eddie Steele joins the program this afternoon. Eddie, how are you, man? Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. I got to say, you know, keep this between us, but uh, I may have scooted out of work a little bit early today on this long weekend, so don't hey. tell the boss. So <laughs> I'm at talking. the park with the kids, so it might be a little noisy. I apologize for that. No, hey, I love it. Uh, good for you for getting out early on a Friday, my man. Uh, what's keeping you busy post-football career, Eddie? Uh, you know what? Uh, just working. I'm in sales for a chemical maintenance company, so do that. I've been putting on a few camps uh, this summer, too. I was up in Nunavut back in July for a week, putting a camp on up there, and I was down in Masquachise a couple of weeks back, putting the camp down on in the community there. So just staying active that way, doing a little bit of speaking, some radio gigs here and there. So it's a full plate. Nice. Love to hear it, man. Uh, look, Labor Day weekend's coming up. I got to ask you, you're, you're probably one of the more unique views 
uh, of Labor Day weekend, having played for three different teams in your CFL career. Just how special is this weekend in the CFL? You know what? It is the weekend. And whenever it comes up to the Labor Day Classic, that's when you know that it's really go time. Everybody talks about the season not starting until Labor Day, which is partially true. But what I love, especially being a Canadian kid from Winnipeg, you know, this just reminds me of high school and college football, the fall starting to come, season's turning, and uh, back to school for a lot of people. And that's just the, the symbolism of football. You can smell it in the air. It's a little bit cooler. And just the hype train around the Classic. I mean, unfortunately, I uh, didn't have a ton of success in my Labor Day Classics <laughs> with any of my teams. I never won one Labor Day Classic. Won a lot of rematches, but... It's just an awesome time of year, and that's kind of what the Classic is. It kicks off the home stretch and uh, new beginnings for a lot of youngsters who are playing ball this season. This might be a hard one for you, but I'm curious. If you had to say which battle was most intense on Labor Day weekend during your career, where would you go? Battle of Alberta, Riders Bombers, Battle of Ontario. Was there one that stood out? Yeah, without a doubt, the, the games between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Uh, you know, just because I'm a Winnipeg kid, I grew up on the other mm-hmm. side of the rivalry, uh, very deep passion, and there's passion for all of the rivalries, but, you know, that interprovincial rivalry and, uh, you know, Saskatchewan fans, they really show out. Now, you, with that being said, had some really good battles against Calgary. The thing about Calgary when I was playing with the former Eskimos, now Elks, is, man, they get that momentum going so fast, and it's like, you can honestly feel the momentum on your back. It's here we go again. And that stinking horse starts running up and down the sideline behind you. And it's like, oh, man, it's deja vu all over again. And that's the, that's the issue with always playing in Calgary. Uh, look, it, it doesn't take long when you check out your, uh, your Twitter feed to see that you still keep pretty close tabs on the league. You still watch uh, a lot of CFL football. What's caught your eye uh, during this year of CFL football? Anything stood out to you, Eddie? Well, obviously, we know how good Winnipeg is, and it's just pretty remarkable to see how far they've come as a franchise when back, you know, six, seven years ago, they were calling for O'Shea's head Mm -hmm. as a coach, and now they can do no wrong, and it's just the culture that he's established. So Winnipeg is doing their thing, and you know you're a good team when you don't play your best football, but you're still beating people, and that's tough to do, and that's just such a sign of their depth and how good they are. Uh, down where you guys are at, that's, I'm keeping my eye on that, and I've been very bullish on Jake Meyer for the past couple of years now. Uh, ever since I saw him first throw football, I thought he was going to be a stud. He has the accuracy, the poise, the timing, everything you want. So, you know, he came out, he took that job over, so that's something to keep an eye on too because he, he took it over from a legend, a living legend, the most winning CFL quarterback ever in, in history. So, you know, it's pretty impressive to see what he's done there, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see – how the season rolls out with both. Curious uh, from your perspective, being a Canadian guy and playing in the CFL, how cool was it to see Nathan Rourke ball out in BC to start the season? And then obviously disappointment with that list Frank injury. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see that. It's, it's remarkable. The football he was playing, he was playing at such a high caliber and uh, you know, unfortunately injuries are a part of the game. Uh, you're going to get injured at a certain point in time when you play football, especially pro, which is bound to happen. I hope the kid heals up because he was putting on a show and he is going to be a star. He already is a star, but he's going to be a future star, and I think he'll be the face of the CFL. Has it been cool to see sort of the revival in BC? Because I imagine during your playing days, you know, you, you had the Travis Lulays there, Andrew Harris was ripping it up, and then they sort of went to Mike Riley and everything, but 
it was kind of a down time for the BC Lions, and they were kind of getting that momentum back up, having a strong season this year. Yeah, it's good to see the momentum, especially under the new ownership. Look, in all honesty, the CFL needs every team to thrive in order for it to be its best league. And over the years, we know the attendance issues and lack of interest in the markets of BC and Toronto. So it's cool to see BC kind of gain some momentum and, you know, have some, some people in the buildings again. And, you know, ultimately it's about winning games and their on-field product has been very good. Thus, why people are interested again. We're chatting with former CFL or Great Cup champion Eddie Steele joining the program this afternoon. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Patrick Dumas. Patrick? Eddie, obviously it was your job to, to sack these guys, but what have you made of the, the quarterback play this year? Uh, I'll agree with what most pundits say. Uh, after the top three or four guys, it's been really lacking. Yeah. And you're seeing it just with the records. You're seeing it here in Edmonton. You're seeing it with a lot of the teams out east. And if you, it's quite simple. You just look at the best teams in the league overall, and they're the ones that have a quarterback who's playing capable football. Other than that, there's such a drop-off. And, you know, even Bo Levi, he wasn't playing terrible football, uh, and he would be in that upper echelon still solely because there is just such porous depth in the league. So, you know, after Bo Levi, it just drops off a cliff in terms of how the quarterbacks have played thus far this year. Now, the uh, the XFL back in its day hired a quarterback guru in Jordan Palmer to help with the league's quarterbacking. Is that something maybe the CFL could possibly be looking at, looking at, you know, f- former college football guys, former guys that maybe had some NFL time to help in the in grow the game, maybe even guys that had CFL experience? You know, to a degree that would help, but I think it's deeper than that, and I think it goes to the coaching cap situation. Okay. Ever since the coaching cap really came into play, that's when you saw started seeing the drop-off with quarterback play. Before the coaching cap, I mean, man, on one team you had Ricky Ray, uh, Trevor Harris, yeah. Zach Calero. So I'm going back years, but that, those were my days, and that, that goes to show the depth of the quarterbacks around the league. And uh, we have seen a true drop-off over the years, and I truly believe that the coaching cap is a big issue because now you're not able to – come in and groom these guys. It's kind of thrown into the fire right away. And, uh, you know, you don't have that coaching depth that you typically would like. And with the cap involved, you know, just like the salary cap with players, there's you're going to be limited in some areas, and that's where we find it with coaches. Talk about the talk about the situation in Edmonton. It's been it's been rough. Obviously, the crowd hasn't been showing up. The play hasn't been there under Chris Jones. But in the last few years, it hasn't been working really well for the Edmonton Football Club. Do you do you have any? I know there was an article in the Edmonton Sun talking about maybe it's time to consider selling the club. Yeah, I, I don't know about selling it. There definitely, we all know, there's been lots of turnover, presidents, coaches, GMs over the past couple of years. The previous regime kind of left the uh, the club in some rough shape. Uh, but I think it does go beyond that. Kind of stated in the article, talking about the board of directors, mm-hmm. because they're the the only constant within all this turnover. You know, and yeah. there's been a lot of turmoil and turnover within the organization, but yet the board has essentially remained the same. So I think it's time to start looking above just management and start looking at the true people who are making decisions because it's community run, but ultimately decisions are made by a board. People think Victor Quee as a president has all the power. It's just not true. He still has to answer to the board and they're the only ones who have been here throughout all this uh, controversy over the past three years. So that's, you got to look at it. 
Is there something maybe Edmonton could look at towards maybe like Winnipeg and Saskatchewan as the other two community-owned teams maybe for suggestions? Because it seems like Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, they're, they were operating successfully, while Edmonton not so much. Yeah, and ultimately, yeah, you can talk to other organizations and get some feedback because, again, we all everybody needs to thrive, each organization, for the CFL to be at its best. But you talk about Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, well, they're winning games. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it comes down to winning games. Uh, Elks haven't won a home game in three years, 1,100 days or something like that. You need to win, and people will come if you win. We're in a business of winning. And that's what it comes down to. And they're not winning. So why is there going to be interest from people? Do you think the ultimate success in this league will be ultimately getting a 10th franchise, be it, uh, be it out in Atlanta, Canada? I personally would love to see that. You know, I, I played in uh, one of the touchdown Atlantic games back in uh, it would have been 2011. Uh, we actually, when I was with Hamilton, played Calgary out there. And it was an awesome experience. The people out there, they're hungry for football. Uh, and I think that they would show out really well. But again, it comes down to the dollars and cents, and sometimes those are decisions that are most definitely above my pay grade. And, uh, yeah, I just would love to see it for the parity in the league just to even it out, you know, get rid of the crossover and have even divisions, and I think it would be really nice. But, uh, again, it comes down to the dollars and cents. Eddie, just a couple more for you. I really appreciate you taking some time in your afternoon to uh, to join us today. Uh, I'm curious, uh, just jumping back to the Edmonton situation that Patrick asked you about, is it frustrating as an alumni of that organization to see them struggle like they have the last couple of years? Yeah, it's very frustrating. And, uh, you know, it's been well documented what happened with me when mm-hmm. I was working with 630 Chad and I called out the GM uh, and uh, got canned from my gig there. But the only reason I said what I said was because it was out of pain. It was out of wanting to see the organization thrive. I won the last great cup with this organization in 2015, and I don't want it to be seven years that have passed since they win. I want to see them do well. And that's all the reason I said what I said was just because I knew it could be better. And I was seeing how things were being operated and it just wasn't sitting well with me because I've been at the top. I've been the class of the class with this organization. I've, had, I've climbed the mountaintop with the organization. So I just want to see them get back to that peak. Uh, if, I'm, if I did my math right, I believe you and Zach Kolaros would have uh, crossed paths back in your time uh, with the Rough Riders. Uh, Zach has been lighting the league up since he became a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, is it just a, a case in your mind that he's now found some time to be healthy for a long period of time and it's, it's finally leading to that success for him? Yeah, health is the biggest thing, and let's not get it twisted. Zach is a stud. Zach's been a stud since he was a third stringer in Toronto and mm-hmm. getting game reps. I remember playing him. He was a stud in Hamilton before he got injured, actually, against us, unfortunately. Uh, he ran into some injury issues in Sask, but even when he was healthy, he was a very productive quarterback. So, Zach, in my, I'm very bullish. He's always been an absolute stud, in my opinion. Just didn't have the ball roll his way. Now he's in Winnipeg, found a good home, and look at what he's been able to do. It's pretty remarkable, man. Just a couple on uh, the team that uh, we cover the most here in Calgary, obviously the Stampeders. We talked a bit about uh, how much you like Jake Mayer. Is it a tough situation for a team to to hand the keys over sometimes from a, a trusted vet like Bo Levi, who's who's won a couple great cups, been an MOP, but you know he's talked about doing all the right things. But as a team, is it important to sort of rally behind both guys during this sort of transition? Absolutely, you know, and it's such a tough position, but yet such a glorious position to be in because 
to have two great quarterbacks in your locker room, that's huge because we know injuries are going to happen throughout the course of the season. Say something happens with Meyer. Well, you know you have something in Bo Levi. And, uh, you know, Calgary, I got to say, they're the class of the CFL, and they have been for years because they're just a factory. They do things right. They promote coaches from within. They're stable with Huff at the top. Dickey's a great coach. And their players, they find just amazing talent. And quarterback-wise, uh, it was Henry Burris. Drew Tate takes over for Henry. Bo takes over for Drew. You know, they just constantly find guys to, to fill the shoes. And now they found that guy again in Meyer. Uh, you know, you tweeted about it. I'm curious what you thought about the uh, BC Lions going out and getting Vernon Adams Jr. Feels like they got pretty confident uh, in the rest of that group, even without Nathan Rourke uh, playing for the rest of the year. Yeah, they're a talented group. They have some playmakers on offense. And uh, I've been a teammate of Vern's, and I like Vern. Mm-hmm. I think he brings some good things to the table. But, uh, you know, I- I'm not so sold that he's just going to be dropped in and all of a sudden their offense is going to be clicking. Uh, quarterback's a tough position, and uh, timing is always a big thing with Vernon. He's notorious for, you know, flying his receivers out in the offseason and getting work in because he's a big believer in timing. So it'll be interesting to see see how it works out. He brings some very nice intangibles, though, in terms of his ability to run. Uh, we'll see how his health holds up because that's been an issue over the years, but I wish him nothing but success, and it'll be uh, exciting to see. We'll just see how it pans out. I'm not totally sold on it, though. Last two for you before we let you go, Eddie. Uh, you mentioned again your former Ticat to start your career. How surprised are you that things have kind of turned for the Ticats this season after back-to-back great-cup appearances against Winnipeg? Man, it's, it's a head-scratcher. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as we talked earlier, you look at the quarterback play, and Dane Evans hasn't lived up to the hype that he was supposed to be. And we actually saw that in... Uh, the Grey Cup, and uh, we've seen it, him falter down the stretch a little bit last year, too. Uh, he was the next shiny thing when uh, they first met Winnipeg in the Grey Cup a couple of years back, but since then, I said, what have you done for me lately, League? And he hasn't done a lot for them lately, and as a result, you look at the overall team record. Uh, last one for you. I'm curious, uh, first time getting a chat with you, you mentioned you're from Winnipeg and you played on the other side of the Labor Day Classic between the Bombers and the Rough Riders. Is there ever a part of you that wanted to, to go to your hometown team and put on the blue and gold, Eddie? 110%. It was always <laughs> a dream that I wanted to play for the Bombers. What kid doesn't want to play for their hometown team? Yeah. And I had a couple opportunities when I was a free agent negotiating some contracts, but they always wanted me to take a home team discount. Always. Mm. And I was never willing to do that because I knew my worth and my value. And uh, I found my value in different markets. And uh, I had a really successful career, you know, nine years, started 150 plus games, won a great cup. That's the one thing in my career. The one I wish I could have moment is getting the chance to play for my hometown team, especially, you know, looking at them and how all the success they're having. It would have been cool. Uh, Give me one quick Elks uh, stamps on Monday. Who you got? Stamps. Stamps. (laughs) It's too ugly up here right now. It's it's chaos. And, with more trades happening this morning, I'm, I'm going with the Stamps. Jake Meyer is going to come out. It's going to be, uh, I think, that momentum, just like history says, uh, they're going to get out early. And, again, that stinking horse is going to be thumping up and down the sideline. You like those new Stamps black jerseys they're going to be repping on Monday? Oh, yeah, those are nasty. They're, they're sweet. Whenever you, whenever you get black, especially as a defensive player, yeah. oh, you just yeah. feel so bad. You're ready to go and hit somebody. Eddie, man, I really appreciate this talk with you, man. It was great to catch up with you. I really hope we can do it again sometime later on in the season. Thank you, Eddie.
Absolutely, fellas. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. Take care, man. Take care. There you go. Eddie Steele, former CFLer, former Great Cup champion, Ticat, Eskimo, Rough Rider, joining us down the uh, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And I knew, as a Manitoba <laughs> boy, I was going to get you with that. Uh, you would have loved to see Eddie oh, Steele in Bombers Steele, colors. You know, coming along here, he would have. You know, if he was able to keep going here, but you know, it's it's all right. You know, I get it. Previous regime maybe didn't. Uh, well, no, Kyle Walters probably would have still been there, but hometown discount. I get it. I get it. But you know, he, good on Eddie for finding his worth and you know having a long successful career. I had to ask him about that. I'm always curious about you know he's been on the other side of yeah. it now. You wear the the green and white mm-hmm. for a couple of those, and then you see Winnipeg doing so. Like, Man, forgot he was a member of the the Bison's Vanier Cup team back when they won it in 07 as well. It was the last Vanier Cup that the, the University of Manitoba won as well. You know what? For uh, as a Canadian defensive tackle, Eddie Steele's got to be up there for one of the mm-hmm. the most successful over his career. Oh, we Doug getting, Brown's probably we were getting ready yeah. for you know for the, for the chat with him today and just mm-hmm. going through you know his CFL page and I mean a couple of years. Uh, you know, with massive sack numbers from there, six one year with Edmonton, yeah. uh, big on defensive tackles, and have a Canadian at that position. Stamps have been running it, mm-hmm. you know, before. It's so important. Uh, yeah. I forgot uh, how good Eddie Steele was during his time uh, in the CFL. Yeah, no, Eddie would have been growing up playing high school ball in Winnipeg when Doug Brown would have been patrolling the the, the D line mm-hmm. for the Bombers as a Canadian who uh, you know started off in the NFL and then made a very successful career for himself. Uh, up in the CFL, he's obviously a Hall of Famer as well. So, you know that's awesome to see. And uh, of course, we're going to like that uh, that stamps pick. Oh yeah, right? not bad. Yeah. Uh, Ottawa, Montreal tonight. Got a feel on this one? You know what? Uh, I mean, Montreal. You know, coming off a bye week, it's been a noisy week. Uh, Vernon Adams uh, coming out requesting that trade uh, to BC. Danny, according to Danny Machocha, obviously uh, Gary Stern was blocking the whole thing, and uh, they they bolstered their defense, adding some guys from Edmonton. Trevor Harris played some good ball. Montreal home game. This is a big one for Ottawa as well. Like Ottawa can get within two of Montreal, and that, that's a technically a playoff spot. Really, mm-hmm. Ottawa gets a win. They're two within Montreal, a second spot, and but Montreal can tie Toronto at the top. It's a big one for the East, but uh, I think Ottawa can keep it close. Yeah, I wonder how much of that outside noise is going to come into Montreal yeah. and all of this. The, the Gary Stern it's always news. noisy there. You're trading away uh, Vernon Adams. Mm-hmm. Avery Ellis is gone. Uh, it's just tough. And yeah, I feel like Ottawa's riding a bit of momentum now. I feel like they've got their guy and Nick mm-hmm. Arbuckle going. Caleb Evans has a good spot as a, a you know, a sort of running quarterback that has some options. Mm-hmm. And uh don't forget, you know, Devontae Deadman uh had a really good return to the CFL last week. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that uh get him more involved impo- in the oh, offense. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And I think that's a, a playmaker for them. And for him to join them yep. after you know a bad start to their season, that's going to be a big boost for that oh, team. Oh, hell, a so. big morale boost for getting your guys like that back. And what they did, they signed him to a, con- a two-year contract last year. They, you know, we're probably going to lose you, but hey, in case you don't make it in the NFL, you can't sign anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You can come back to Ottawa. So good, uh, good, good, true GM work from, Edmund, uh, from Ottawa so there. Uh, thanks again, Eddie Steele, for joining us, the former CFL vet, uh, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Still to come today, we'll uh, head out to Denver, Colorado, to chat with Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post about that new contract extension for Russell Wilson. Matt Rose has a stamps report, and we'll have headlines with Patrick Dumas. All of that and more as Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.